How's everybody doing? Everybody have a good day today? Amen. Well, Pastor had come to, uh, I guess it's probably been a few weeks back, and talked to us about what did we, what did we see for 2012? And it's interesting, I still feel like I'm a long ways away here, so I'm going to get as close as I can get here. Um, and it's interesting, one of the things that uh, God had really been dealing with us about and in, in talking with, with me about it, when uh, the first part of the year came, we had the chance to go spend uh, three days at a church in Nevada and do some meetings there. And it was interesting because the pastor had said, Benjamin, he goes, I just feel like God saying for our church that 2012 is the year of Jubilee. Well, that got us excited. (laughs) So we spent some time and and worked with that and and had some fun at the meetings. And then uh, Bobby Jean Merck was here the first couple weeks of uh, after that. And it was interesting that she said, you know, I just feel like this is 2012 is the year of Jubilee. So there seems to be a theme that's running. Yeah. Now, it, it's interesting, if you, for, uh, just to give you some background about the year of Jubilee, and it, I've shared this probably before, but just to kind of catch you up again real quick, one of the biggest things that took place with the year of Jubilee, first of all, the year of Jubilee was something that happened every 50 years. So for the most part, it only happened one time in somebody's life back then because the life expectancy wasn't all that great. So if it come around when you were a baby, chances are you might not see it again in your lifetime. So it was something that only took place once every 50 years or one time for the most part in people's lives. The biggest part to that was if in the course of time you had uh, some financial obligations that you couldn't meet and you had to sell off your property... At the end of that, when that 50 years come around, it reverted back to you again. If you had gotten yourself in difficulty and had to sell yourself into slavery, at the end of 50 years, you were once again free. Now the reason for that was so that it would be impossible for the children of Israel to be dispossessed from their inheritance. Now, that would have been a good place to shout. Thank you for that. It would have been a little better if it would have been right at the end. No. Why is that important? Because at the 50 years, God had said, listen, I have given you the promised land. And I've given you an inheritance. And no matter what situation you get yourself in... Every 50 years, it's going to come back and be yours again so that you cannot be dispossessed from the inheritance that I've provided for you. Now, let's bring that into you and today. You and I have an inheritance. You remember that the things that happened in the Old Testament were just to be examples for you and I. So what was taking place then is an example for you and I that there is nothing that can happen that can dispossess you from the inheritance that God has for you. Thank you. (laughs) So it was an important deal. It was an important issue that came around every 50 years. 
that no matter what situation you found yourself in, no matter how bad it got, at the end of 15 years, it was all reset again. Now, I don't know where you're at today. Sometimes we find ourselves, sometimes through no fault of our own, sometimes through every fault of our own, in situations, and God is saying, hey, there's a reset button. And we don't have to wait once every 50 years. See, the cool thing was when Jesus came... You remember when he first stood up in the temple, they handed, it says they handed him the scroll of Isaiah and he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. I'm going to finish this off here to make sure I get it the way I want it. One more chapter. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners. To proclaim the favorable or acceptable year of the Lord. Now, there's a difference. You know, I've said, shared this before and I'll, I'll share it again because we need to really get this into our hearts. There's a difference between being captive and being prisoner. When an army came and invaded a land, they took the people captive. The people hadn't done anything wrong. But they were taken captive by the enemy. There's a difference between that and prisoners. People who find themselves in prison are generally there for one reason. They're guilty. They did something and put themselves in a position to be imprisoned. Now the good news is when Jesus stood up and said that, he said, listen, it does not matter if it's because someone took you, you found yourself in a place that was through, not through any of your own choosing... Or even if it's a situation where you put yourself there, there's still freedom for you. There's still freedom for you. I don't care. Uh, I'll tell you. We had a situation when when Aaron was younger, and in about six months, we ran up $600,000 worth of doctor bills. That wasn't through our own choosing. But there's been just as many areas in my life where I've been guilty And I have found myself taken prisoner because of something I did. And Jesus said, listen, there is still release. There is liberty for those who've been taken captive. There's freedom for prisoners. And it goes on to say, to proclaim the year of God's favor. And when Jesus read that in Luke chapter 4, it says, He handed the scroll and sat down and said, Today, this is fulfilled in your presence. Why is that important? Because he's saying, listen, folks, if you understand correctly, you don't have to wait for 50 years. You can step into Jubilee any time you have the faith to believe for it. You don't have to wait till a certain time comes along. See, now, while... Now, we, we proclaim, you know, we've had different people that have said this is the year of Jubilee, and I'll address that again in a second, but we don't have to wait for a particular time. We can step into it any time. It's any time you want. So every year is the year of Jubilee. Every day is a Sabbath day to enter into His rest. 
every day is a day of thanksgiving. And every hour can be happy hour. Every hour can be happy hour. Amen. That ought to get us excited because we don't have to wait. Now, let's go back. Though we don't have to wait, I still do agree that there are times where God will take a specific area and focus on it during the time frame and say, this year is a year, like, like Bobby Jean said, this year is the year of Jubilee. Now, does that mean that we couldn't step into it if that wasn't the case? No, we can step into it anytime we want. But why is it that God sometimes will focus and proclaim that this year is, a certain, is going to be a year, whether it be of, of Jubilee or a year of more spiritual gifts being released in people's lives? Because God knows that there's times we have to have something like that said because it raises our level of faith to receive it. It's not because we can't step into it any time. It's because we need something that triggers us to say, yes, if God is saying that, now my faith is amping up. So I can step into it because now I've got more faith to see it through. So while we're talking about it's a year of jubilee, it it can be it can be tomorrow can be your day. Tonight can be your night. It's your decision. Hallelujah. That excites me. (laughs) Because I'm tired of things being the way they were. I've needed somebody in some areas just to go, let's hit reset. (laughs) Hallelujah. So for me, in talking about a year of Jubilee, it it, it focuses in on two areas. It's a year of recovery of those things. It's a year of recovery from the situation where I've been taken captive. But it's also a year of discovery. Because if you were a child, or if you had got yourself in a situation, maybe your parents, in, in, as far as the children of Israel, maybe your parents had gotten themselves into financial difficulty, and the whole family got sold into slavery, and you were just a child. You had to wait for that 50 years to come around, but once it did, you finally got to discover what was really yours. So it's not just a year of recovering from no longer being a slave and no longer being taken captive. It's a year of discovery to find out what God has planned for us and the promise that has been ours, the inheritance that has been ours all along. Hallelujah. Oh, I could chew on this stuff. So every year can be a year of Jubilee. Again, let's look at Scripture. God says you have not because you ask not. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. So the question is, are we going to ask? Are we going to ask? Hallelujah. Okay, God, where am I going from here? Okay, turn to Proverbs chapter 24. I was talking with a friend of mine today, actually just right before we came to church. Uh, he and I met, we hadn't talked to each other for a while. And it's interesting how uh, it just happens, and I'll get into that in a second. But let me read this. Proverbs 24, verse 16. We're going to read the first part of that. For a righteous man falls seven times 
and rises again. Now, I'm a sports guy. I, I know our pastor's not. That's okay. Amen. But I'm a sports guy. So here's some things how I just relate. There was a gentleman by the name of Henry Aaron, who for the longest time was the home run king in baseball. 755 home runs. Actually played for the team that was my team from the time I was four years old. And everybody, if you know anything about baseball and you know that, you know Henry Aaron and 755 home runs. But what you don't probably know is Henry Aaron had 1,383 strikeouts. Which means almost two to one, he completely failed. Completely failed. Bringing it more current, Kobe Bryant. Actually, for his career on three-point shots, is a 33.8% shooter. 33%. But you know what? When it comes down to the end of the game, who wants the ball in their hands? Kobe Bryant. Brett Favre played in 302 games. He had 166 fumbles. See, the challenge is, and there's something that's in a mentality of an athlete that gets to that level, is I don't care what it looked like the time before, this time is different. I don't care if I missed it ten times in a row. This one's, I'm being successful. You know that if you're a 300 hitter in baseball, which means you succeed three out of ten times, you get a hit. You're a Hall of Famer. And you only have to be successful three out of ten times. Which means I can fail seven times in a row, but I'm going up the next time. I'm just as confident that I'm going to succeed the next time. And there's, there's a pursuit and a tenacity of going after that no matter what it has looked like before, I can hang with it this time and I'll be successful. And you look at people who have been successful in whatever area. You know that they tell you most people that have uh, become millionaires went bankrupt three or four times? That's right. That's what they say. But they knew they had an idea. They knew. And they kept at it. And yet so many times in the body of Christ, we try something and it kind of, well, that didn't work. So we kind of hibernate back into our little cave. No, no, no. What's the scripture say? A righteous man falls seven times and arises again. I don't know. There might be areas of your life that are ongoing where there's been struggles. Join the club. We've all got them. But let's not let those struggles dictate what we assume the outcome will be. We've got to go back just like those athletes and say, listen, yeah, I might have struck out at this the last time, but it's a new at-bat. I get to stand up here and take my cuts at it again. 
I got to share a story, uh, which is which is hilarious. I've got an older brother. He's uh, will be 64 in April, and he probably wouldn't like me telling that. My brother was never much of an athlete. My brother just got back from spending a week at a baseball fantasy camp, playing with ex-major league baseball players. Now, guys, he's 63. And he wasn't an athlete to begin with. And about a month or six weeks ago, the first part of the year, he came to me and he says, Benjamin, he goes, I want you to do me a favor. He goes, hey, I'm spending money. I'm going to go back. I spend a week uh, at this baseball camp. I need you to start working me out. Well, I haven't, I haven't swung a baseball bat in 34 years. So this was kind of interesting to watch. I wish someone would have had a camera looking at the two of us. But so we went out a couple times and I was hitting ground balls to him and hitting fly balls to him and and we're playing catch, and he's going to the batting cage, and, and at 60 miles an hour, he can't catch up to the baseball. And yet, he's going to go spend a week at this camp. So he gets home, and I'm like, Ken, how was your week? He says, well, I pulled a hamstring. I, I pulled the oblique muscle in my side. He goes, I took a slider off the inside handle of the bat, and my whole thumb is black and blue. He says, but you know, now I'm home, it's a lot more fun than it was when I was there. He says, when I got up there and they started stretching the first day, he says, I was done. He says, I was exhausted and I, we hadn't done anything yet. And they played, they played 12 innings of baseball every day for five days. And I said, well, how was it? How was the level? And he said, there was a guy who was throwing, still throwing 90 miles an hour plus. Now, he said, I wasn't catching up to it at 60 miles an hour in a batting cage. He goes, 90 miles an hour, one of the pro pitchers. And we talked about it, and and we're laughing about it, but I I, I found myself stopping, and I was surprised I even said this, because I don't know that I've even said this to my brother. And I just looked at him and said, I am so proud of you. You had a desire that you wanted to do, and you didn't let anything get in your way of doing that you knew you weren't in shape and you tried anyway you went after it anyway knowing that i've never been able to compete anywhere near this level and i'm going to spend hard-earned money (laughs) to go and do this for a week That's a tenacity in saying, man, I am going after this. It is something that in the natural looks like there is absolutely no way this will ever work. I'll never have fun at this. It will be a disaster. And he went and did it anyway. And when he got there, the first couple games uh, that they played, his coach finally looked at him and said, I don't think we're going to win a game. I'm just telling you, you guys are, you know... I got the rookies, the guys that have never done this, been here before, and I, I think we're going to get shut out for all six games. They lost the first two. Then they got beat by the pros. They won the next three, including beating the team that won. Because they didn't give up. They kept just saying, you know what? We're going to stick with this. We're sticking with this. We're going to keep persevering. We're going to keep going after this. Turn to uh, Galatians chapter 6. 
And look at verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. King James says, if we faint not. See, our biggest challenge isn't that we can't do things. Our biggest challenge is we keep fainting. It really is. We keep talking ourselves out of it. We keep fainting. Instead of just saying, listen, I'm hanging in there. I'm going after this. I'm going after it. We have got to get a tenacity about us that says, I'm going after this with everything I have in my being. Am I going to fall a couple times? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm real sure of it. Am I going to miss God a few times? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll do that too. But that's not the point. The point is, if I'll keep pursuing this, if I'll keep going after this, I will reap if I faint not. All I have to do is keep pushing. Keep pushing the envelope. Keep pushing. Keep going after it. Keep desiring. Keep going after it. Keep standing. Keep going and keep pushing in those areas where life has been pushing so much against me that maybe I haven't been as successful as I want to be. I told you I was meeting with a friend of mine beforehand. Uh, we got talking about this very thing because he is one of those, he, he owns a company and he is meticulous about writing out a business plan. Now, at pretty much any job you have, there is probably someone who is writing expectations for the year, projections for the year. Here's where we want to be at the end of the year. Here's what we want to accomplish at the end of the year. Here's where we want to go. Here's where we want to be. Here's this, I was a sales rep. Here's the sales we're expecting out of you by the end of the year. Let me ask you a question. Because while that takes place in the natural, when was the last time you did that with God? When was the last time you sat down and said, Okay, God, by the end of the year, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm going after. I don't care whatever area of your life it is. Maybe, maybe you find yourself in a marriage that's gone stale or gotten bad. Maybe you find yourself in financial issues. Maybe it's something as far as developing a prayer life. Maybe it's something as far as developing the gifts that are within you. Maybe it's something like learning how to pray more effectively for others and see God bring healing. Whatever area it is, have you ever sat down and said, Okay, God, this is the focus that I believe. I've sat down and I believe I've heard from you and said, This is the focus this year, and so this area I am going after with everything I have inside me. Because most of us don't do that. We might do that in our natural life, in our secular jobs. But when it comes to our spiritual lives, we kind of say, well, God, you know, whatever you want to give me this year, that's fine. Yeah. Wherever, you know, and our hope is that at the end of this year, we're further along than we were at the end of last year. But we don't have a focused plan on how to go after that or what to do. So, you have a three-by-five card that's sitting in front of you.
one of the things I'm going to ask you to do tonight is say, okay, God, I'm going to quiet my heart before you and ask you, God, what area of my life do we really want to get focused in on this year and work on and go? Not just read a couple scriptures about it and a week later go on to something else. Not just uh, spend a day saying, God, I want you to do this in my life. I'm saying that you're going to take this entire year and you're going to take this year and say, this is the area that we're focusing on. Now, again, I'm telling you, hey, we haven't really done that very consistently, but we started something when we were in Estonia last summer. I had bought two little books. One was a book called 40 Days to Ignite Your Faith. The other was a little book uh, that was about 50 days worth, and it was just called Victorious Mindsets. And the goal was we will read one day from each of these books. Now, we haven't been every day. We did it the whole time we were in Estonia. We've come back. We haven't done it daily, but we're still consistently at least four days a week. But we're now in February. We're, the, we're on our fourth time through one of those books and our third time through on the other one. And there's something that has taken place as we have continued to layer that again and again and again. You go through the 40 days, you go back to day one and you hit them again and, and you get to the end of the 40 days and you go back and you begin to hit it again. There is something that takes place when you focus your attention on something and you'll keep going over it and over it and over it. That's how you layer stuff into your life. When we, when we did school in the natural or you learned your job, it wasn't that you read it one time and you were good. Quite frankly, I don't care who you are. The first time you tried anything, you weren't good at it. You might have even had a, an aptitude for it. But it took the repetition. It took the repetition of going over and over and over. And most of us, even if we develop that in our lives, and I'll say in the natural, most of us have not begun to really hit that in our spiritual lives. I'll laugh and tell you that... uh, I was one when it came to school. I didn't do that. Because I learned early on that if I really went after the grades like like Benjamin is doing and the grades that he's getting, which is just thoroughly exciting, when I started going after that when I was young, they said, okay, now you get to stand up in front of the class. Anytime we need a speaker, you get to speak. I was scared to death of people. So I learned early on, I don't want to do that because they're going to put me up here and make me do something that I don't like doing. And so I learned early on to hit the cruise button. And I cruised through school. Got pretty decent grades. Didn't apply myself. But what that caused was something that would now take place later on in my adult life when it comes to spiritual matters 
that now I've got to go back, and it's been interesting to learn the discipline of studying and studying and digging. Because yeah. there, there was a time where growing up, man, it just kind of seemed to come natural to me. So here's, the, here's, here's where we're at. Are you willing, as people of God, to say, okay, God? And it's going to be different for each one of us. So we're not saying we're going to take a year and focus on this. I'm saying you as an individual, get with God and say, okay, God, what is it that for this year, you want me to get almost like a laser vision and go after in my life. So that when I get to the end of this, I'm not going to say I'm going to be an expert, but I'm going to be a lot further down the road than I was when I started. I'm constantly going to be learning from different areas how to do this. You know, even in the natural, if you're a nurse, uh, if you're a teacher, if you're a lawyer, if you're a CPA, that, you know that there are professions that you are constantly going back and having to get educational credits for? Why? Because they want you continuously learning. So you'll go to a seminar. They might have some required reading. You know, we really don't do that in our spiritual lives. We'll pick up this book, and it's wonderful. But there's one challenge with me when I pick up this book. If I'm not careful, I will read this book through Benjamin's eyes. In other words, I'll read the same scripture that I've read a hundred times before, and I will see it the exact same way I've seen it all hundred times. Where there's times where if all I need to do is have somebody else, if I read it in a book or hear it on a tape, tape, I just dated myself, on a CD or on a podcast... (laughs) And they will have a different take on that scripture. And it's in, it, it amazes me how when that happens, at that moment, I can shut that message or that book or set that book down. And immediately, my mind is now kicking in and taking me different areas and different directions with that scripture than I have ever thought about before. All because someone else saw it differently than I did and it triggered something in my mind. And so I learned. I picked up understanding that I didn't have before. And as I begin to glean that, God just began to infill and pour other scriptures into it and set things back up and show me how different things fit together. All because I was willing to listen to another viewpoint of that same scripture. Instead of me just reading it for the thousandth time and get halfway through it and already I finished it in my mind and moving on to something else. Because, you know what? Benjamin always sees it through Benjamin's eyes. So we're going to have to do some things differently. I made this statement before, if you want to go somewhere you've never been, you're going to have to do something you've never done. And the challenge is, we keep wanting to go somewhere we've never been, but we keep doing the same old things. 
guilty. So whatever area of life that is for you, it might be stirring up the spiritual gifts that God has put inside of you. It might be focusing in on different aspects of those gifts. You've heard me say before that Scripture says that we are to earnestly desire spiritual gifts above all that you might prophesy. When it says earnestly desire, it actually translates to lust after. But if we're not going to focus our attention in a specific area, that doesn't ever happen. We can sit back and say, okay, God, I just, you know, I really want you to do this and just kind of leave it up in the air and expect him to do it. You know, we're co-laborers with him. Which means God's going to do his part. But there's a part I've got to do. I can't expect to understand this book if I never open it up and read it. And then yet I can say, but you know what, God, you're sovereign, so you can just download it all into me. No, it doesn't work that way. It's that way with everything we do. We're going to have to make a determination This year, I'm going after healing. Maybe it's in my own physical body. Maybe it's learning how to minister to others. Maybe it's going after prophesying. Maybe it's going after, uh, maybe it's going after my financial situation. God, and and that's going to require us to say, okay, God, first of all, I need to spend time in this book and figure out what you have to say about it. What do you have to say about finances? What do you have to say about marriage? What do you have to say about healing? What do you have to say about spiritual gifts? What do you have to say about relationships? And I'm going to have to do some studying. And then I'm going to have, as I'm doing some studying and layering that stuff inside, I'm going to have to get before God and say, okay, God, I need you to begin to explain some of this. I might have to go buy another book by somebody else who's already doing something that I want to do. Nothing wrong with that. We were laughing with, when I was meeting with my friend tonight, uh, if you remember Sammy and Dorothy that were here uh, during the summer that that ministered, uh, Sammy and Dorothy actually stayed at their house the whole time they were here. And he made the comment, he goes, you know, he goes, when Sammy was here, I found myself praying more. I found myself spending more time in the Word. Not because I was even trying to. It just happened. And I said, yeah. Because you got around somebody who that was evident in their lives. You know, it's interesting, and I'll use pastor as an example here. Pastor is very gifted prophetically. You know that the more I'm around him, the easier it is for me to step into prophesying. Why? Because we're together and the influence that comes out of him just gets on me. 
And that's what my friend was experiencing. He said, you know what, now that Sammy's gone home, he goes, I'm finding I haven't spent near as much time praying, near as much time in the Word. Even to the point where he said, my wife has even called me on it. And I said, well, see, you can blame Sammy. He went back to Kenya. (laughs) But there is something about somebody that is operating in a gift when we get around them. Because of how God is operating in their life, it becomes easier for us to operate that same gift. And the challenge is, if we're not careful, we think that we have the gift. And that may or may not be the case, but oftentimes you'll find that just because you're around somebody who is gifted in that area, all of a sudden you find yourself stepping into that more going, wow, this is fun. Hadn't really expected that, but this is kind of cool. So if there's areas that, that we're really believing God for, let's go after that. Let's find somebody who is operating in that kind of gift and begin to spend some time with them. If there's issues going on in a marriage, let's get together with somebody who, who looks like, at least looks like on the outside, they have their marriage together. <laughs> Because unfortunately what happens is if you don't have your marriage together, you go seek somebody out who's in the same boat you are and neither one of you can help each other. So let's go find somebody who, who at least has, is getting results. Amen. So what is it that you're going to believe God for this year? Now, I'm going to make a statement that while everything I said tonight is true, and we really can go after God and say, God, this is what I am pursuing you for this year. It's still, and I I so appreciate Stuart last week when he was sharing and talking about... uh, getting back to beholding God as He is and that God's purpose for mankind was a love relationship because that's where it all comes out of. And we can't forget that for a moment. We can't turn this into a formula where if I do A, B, and C, I get D as a result. It still has to all come from relationship. It still has to come from us beholding God and spending time with Him. But as we do that, those other things will have just... The doors will open up in our minds to be able to receive and understand things that we haven't grasped before. So, please understand. It takes both. We can have the love relationship with God, but if we never pursue a certain area in our lives, I don't know that God is just going to download it to us. And if we just pursue those things and don't have the love relationship, if we get those things, we'll become arrogant.
So what are you willing to go after this year? I'm going to want you to take a couple minutes. And I'm going to want you to get before God quietly and say, okay, God, show me. What are we focusing in on? What are we going to go after this year? What is it that you're wanting to share with me? What is it, what area of my life are you wanting to, for me to really become uh, lasered in on and really go after this year that I can say when I get to the end of 2012, this is going to be an area of my life where I have grown. This is going to be an area of my life where I have a greater understanding of who you are. Not just how you act and what you do, but who you are. 